Hello. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. For more information about this and other projects, please visit www.thoughtjarproductions.com. That's www.thoughtjarproductions.com. We can also be found at Thoughtjar Productions on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to this program on iTunes and on Spotify, and please tell your friends about this show. And now, for this week's episode. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Testing, testing, one, two, three. Three, two, one, testing! You're an asshole. Yes, I am! (laughs) (laughs) Hello, everyone. And welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club. My name is Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this episode. This week, we are looking at 1999's The Mummy, in honour of 2017's The Mummy, which has just been released in cinemas. Joining me to discuss this Brendan Fraser classic, uh, I have two people, one who has seen the film and one who has not. And for fans of the Cinema Catch-Up Club series... It's our pilot team. That's Ooh, right. Yeah. Ellen Sears and Sarah Curtis. Ellen, welcome back. Hashtag team pilot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Sarah, welcome back. Thanks. Um, no hashtag for me. <laughs> so, uh, Ellen, you have seen The Mummy. I have. And you're a big fan of uh, ancient Egyptian culture in general. Uh, yeah, I was a little ancient Egypt nerd growing up. You know how everybody has like one of those ancient civilizations that they're just really mad on? Like for some people it's Greece, for some of them it's Rome, for some Babylon. Of them... Babylon, if you're Sarah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you go. No, she mine likes was to Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, mine was mine was always Egypt. I actually had I I don't know if anybody out here would remember this, but Microsoft put out a bunch of stuff, I think on Windows 3.1. So this is going back a few years. And one of the CD-ROMs was, um, they had like dangerous creatures and a bunch of other stuff. And one of them was ancient lands. And you could go and explore like all the stuff about, um, they had Greece and Rome and Egypt. Except I think I only looked at Pompeii in the Roman one because I thought that was cool. And the rest of the time. And yeah, I was a morbid child. And then the rest of the time I used to just look at the Egypt ones because I loved ancient Egypt. Certainly. And uh, what are your memories of The Mummy itself, this this film from uh, the end of the 90s? Oh, man. Okay. I didn't see it in cinemas, but I've watched it a bunch of times, like on uh, videos and DVDs and stuff. It's just such a fun movie. It. I just really love this film. It makes me laugh. It's got so many great, like, one-liners in it. And I actually had a huge crush on Brendan Fraser when I was little. Aww. So he was my first celebrity crush Aww. when I was like when I was like 12 or 13, which makes sense because this came out in 99. And that was also around the time that he did like George of the Jungle mm. and a few <laughs> other things. So, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty much around the time that he had his career. Um, Sarah, <laughs> oh, and I say, that, I say that with a lot of love because I do quite like Brendan Fraser, but you look at his... Uh, his period of success and it basically is from George of the Jungle in 97 to basically the second mummy film which is 2001 um yeah. he's done things uh since then but they've not reached that sort of uh successful height that he got with the mummy franchise not even the third mummy film did as well let's not talk about the third mummy no let's film. focus on the first one <laughs> I didn't realize there was more than one so. oh yeah well and there's and there's the tie-in film there's there's the scorpion king yeah, that's one where, which has the rock in yeah, it yeah that's where and, the rock yeah. started rock. doing yeah. his um his yeah. films so sarah you've not seen the mummy i have not um what have you heard about this film 
Uh, basically, all I know about it is from Tumblr. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of gift sets at the moment because of the new film. Everyone's like, oh, go back to the original. It's so much better. So You mean the 1932 Boris Karloff original? <laughs> Not that far original. Because this film is a remake of that film. Okay. Well, they say, go back to the Brendan Fraser version. <laughs> is that the voice of Tumblr? Yes, it is. That's why I don't go on that website <laughs> That's very my often. Tumblr voice. Yes. That's, that's pretty much what Tumblr sounds like. Let's yeah. be real. Anyway. Okay. Uh, so, yes. Um, the Mummy, uh, the plot, when boiled down to a sentence, is an American serving in the French Foreign Legion on an archaeological dig at the ancient city of Hamunaptra accidentally awakens a mummy. I now know so much more about this film. Mm. Like, There's all a... I knew was that it was really funny. And that there was a mummy in There's it. There's a thing about horses, like a mm. river and horses, like what's going on there, I'm about to find out. Good job, you're going to get all the eminently quotable lines, it's going to oh, be yeah. fun. I can quote things at you and you'll get it, it'll be fun. Excellent. So, shall we watch the film? Oh yeah, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Excellent, okay. That would be good. Uh, for fans of uh, DVD openings, I do have uh, the plastic still on. Oh, are you gonna DVD. you gonna do the well, crinkly plastic thing? If if you two would like to hear a DVD being opened, because uh, Aaron, who was on a couple of weeks ago for Fight Club, yeah. um, was very excited about. <laughs> I listened to that the other day. It was beautiful. Mm. So we can do another live opening if you'd like. I'm so tired. I'm probably just going to collapse into giggles, but that's fine. Okay, well, ladies I'm and gentlemen, I'm here for giggling. Here we go, piercing that plastic. That satisfying sound means that we are about to watch The Mummy. All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm joined again by uh, Miss Ellen Sears. And Miss Sarah Curtis. Hello. And we have just finished watching The Mummy, <gasps> 1999 version. Uh, initial thoughts, guys? Uh, well, it wasn't actually about a mum and a dad like trying to reconcile, so I'm really disappointed. <laughs> no, that's a sequel. In a way. <laughs> Not really. Well, it kind wasn't of Wasn't it, though? It was about these, these two people trying to uh, recreate their relationship. It was about true love. Mm. Mm. Uh, the and only the pro- terrible lengths people go yeah, like bringing out Egyptian curses. Actually, it, it is funny you mentioned that. The, the, the actor who played uh, Imhotep, Arnold uh, Vosloo, was playing it very straight in terms of he was essentially playing it as Romeo from Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Um, because he said the Tragic only way, star-crossed yeah, lovers. The only way it was going to work was if he was playing it as though he was convinced it was the right thing he was doing. Because if it was knowing like the way that Brendan Fraser was playing uh, his character, Rick O'Connell, then it wouldn't work having like a villain that was kind of like winking at the camera as well. Mm. Mm. Which I think is interesting and probably like a good way to go with that. Um, but yeah, initial thoughts. like did... Yeah, because you haven't seen it, so... Did you like it? Well, it turns out I wrote it. <laughs> yeah. That... <laughs> I may have pre-quoted it uh, at least seven times. Did you take I a tally? Uh, we, yeah, I counted six times. Um, and it, it's basically... What we're talking about here is the the dialogue, and it's one of my notes, um, the dialogue is quite poor uh, in in terms of it's eminently predictable, like something happens and we all know what the next line is going to be. And it happened multiple times throughout the film for Sarah where she hadn't seen it before and she's quoting along. And not just because you've seen bits on Tumblr. No, I didn't quote the bits I saw on Tumblr uh, because I'm like, I already know this, I don't need to quote it. It was the other bits I'd never seen. I was like, it'd be funny if they said this. Oh. 
Yeah, where it's like, oh, it, then they did. Yeah, it's very obviously where like uh, one of the bad characters is going to go, or oh, so you think, and those exact words would be said by Sarah in the room and by the film. So, but the dialogue was pretty poor. Um, I think like, that's what made it funny, though. It was I, fun. Like, I, I feel like maybe that was a deliberate choice. I feel like this movie's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. Like, they're kind of poking a bit of fun at the old monster movies. Like, oh, my God, it's alive. You know, like, I feel like maybe that was a part of it. That stuff was okay. But, like, Brendan Fraser's character, Rick O'Connell, kills, like, a bunch of the uh, priest mummies. And then all he says at the end of it is just, mummies. Like, (laughs) like, he he could have said anything. He could have said, they gave it a fair go. You know, that kind of thing. He could have been... just an, an, an effort, not just literally stating what 20 of the things you just killed are. Well, he couldn't be the, the typical pun master because it's usually the bad guys who do the puns. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so. but nobody did it. Nobody picked up the, the mantle of like witty repartee and wordplay in this film. I felt like I did. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 <laughs> we had to. Sitting at home, you have to do it yourself. So uh, just looking through the notes, um, reasonable CGI I thought. Yeah, it wasn't bad. At certain points, you were like, not so great. But I mean, how old did you say this film was now? 18 years? It's 18 years. Yeah, it's 18 years. So legally, it can drink in Australia. That's Yay! exciting. Mm. Um, Happy birthday. But yeah, I mean, if you're looking at if you're looking at when it was released, it was released in 99. So it would have been getting filmed in like 98. 98-ish. So this is pre The Phantom Menace. This is pre... It came out the same month as The Phantom Menace. Okay, so okay, so similar sort of level to... I don't think they had as big a budget as Star Wars, though, let's be real. Yeah. Um, but it's it also... It's more creative, though, with the use of the CG. Oh, yeah. I love... And, you know, certain things are really, really hold up. Like a lot of the bits where the sa- he where he turns into like the sand monster and is like blasting through His hotel rooms and stuff yeah and the Voldemort face love me some Voldemort it was so good and then he it, the uh, yeah and then there was that beautiful moment where because every time his his bald little headed face just appeared it was like oh look it's Voldemort again and then they found his coffin and I forgot about this they 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 she looked at the cartouche it was like oh it's he who must not be named and I was like are you kidding me <laughs> are you kidding me that was amazing. And they did try to cut off his nose with bullets. They did try to cut off his nose Trying with bullets. Trying to shoot off his nose. Yes, the big sand version, the big mm. sand version. But yeah, I mean, this, the CG in this was also pre a lot of the work that was done on like uh, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy and all of the like motion capture stuff that they really pioneered and, and did on that. So I, I think I think all things considered, the CG's okay. And you know, I think it's kind of, again, good that it's bad. It's one of these films where... I didn't mind that it was bad because that's what made it good. Yeah. It's like usually the first time I watch a film, I hate people talking. But this time I did not mind because like half of the charm was talking through it and like laughing along with it and making your own jokes with it. Mm. I just had a quick look at the budget of Phantom Menace and the budget yeah. of this film. Uh, okay. So the, the budget of The Mummy mm. was $80 million. Jeez. The budget for The Phantom Menace was 115 So not not like a massive difference. Like an, an, an additional third, basically. It's Although it's lightsabers. Yeah, basically. Although to be fair, a lot of The Phantom Menace and the other two were just shot on green screens. Yeah. So there's Expensive that. Expensive green screens. Expensive green screens, but... And you know. Jar Jar Binks would have taken a lot to feed. Yeah, you know, all yeah, the tongue that, yeah. getting all that food. He would have stolen a lot of food. Yeah, in budget. fact, uh, <laughs> fun fact from the IMDb trivia troll, which is done every week, um, the budget of eighty million, about fifteen to twenty million of that, depending on which sources you read, was set aside uh, for the 
various CGI shots of uh, of both the mummy version of um, Imhotep and the just all the CGI they had to use with the scarabs and that. So this yeah. this was a big budget for um, CGI effects, which I think is part of the reason why it still stands up in a lot of cases. Like the actual. Uh, slowly rebuilding corpse of Imhotep as yeah, it's going around. Yeah, pretty, it, that's pretty good. Yeah, it still looks okay. Like, you're looking at it going, okay, it's a bit cartoony, but it's still gross. It's still... Do you know what? I'm glad yeah. it's a little cartoony, though, because if it was any more realistic, it, like, it's already pretty disgusting. I've, I, I now understand why I didn't watch this as a kid. If I'd watched it as a kid, I'd have had so many nightmares. Yeah. yeah. See, I was just that little bit older because, okay, it was 99 when this came out, right? Yeah. So I was 11 when it came out. And so I probably watched when I was about 12 or 13, probably at a sleepover or something. I would have been seven. Yeah, that would have been probably a bit too scary for you. <laughs> so obviously the film starts. We have the uh, the ancient city uh, all done in CGI. And, and then... the narratory bit. Narrator, narrator. Yes. So much oh, narrator. yeah, you should have narrated at the end to like tie that up together. I was waiting for that. Yeah. yeah, kind of like in Aladdin, how you have the narrator at the beginning and then he does no more narration. Yeah, it's like, well, what's the point of a narrator when you introduce it and then you never... Go- it's a 20-minute rule. 20 mm. minutes into a film or a show, that's what sets up the rules of the film or the show. Mm. So if you then break the rules later on, you're kind of like, mm, what's happening? I do mm. like Medjai Guy, though. What's his name? What's the character's name? Uh, that was uh, Ardeth Bay, uh, played by Oded Fair. Right. Yes, no, no, that's right. Yes, so... Yes. Um, yeah, and uh, that opening sequence with, um, I think there's a couple of interesting points from that that we need to address. Um, nobody standing by a statue looks innocent. Um, when uh, <laughs> you had the, the uh, painted lady uh, who mustn't mm. be touched, uh, the pharaoh's wife, is she's standing by the, um, by the statue. Nobody ever stands by a statue and looks innocent. I think that's just a film rule. Yeah, I mean, you're obviously hiding something. The statue is your hiding place of hidingness. Mm. So, A plus yeah. makeup, though. Yeah, well, that that took uh, four hours. That nice. does not surprise to, me. To get all that painted on. It was beautiful. On. I mean, she's gorgeous. Yeah, oh, yeah, she is. And, mm. um, yeah, it was a very, very effective look. Um, and also, how sneaky are the pharaoh's bodyguards? Because when they're, when, they're um, when he's trying to resurrect... Um, the pharaoh's wife after she's killed herself. Cinnamon. Yes, um, and when when he's trying to resurrect um, her, and then all of a sudden those guards just appear out of nowhere, going, "Ha ha! Surprise! We yeah. stopped the ceremony." It, it, yeah, they're very very Magical sneaky guards. Plot guards, mm. ninja, just like the plot holes that they literally jumped into. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, one of those plot holes. It does seem pretty irresponsible to give your enemy the powers of invincibility if revived. Yes, as as I was yelling at the screen for the first twenty minutes of the film. Mm. Well, that's the thing. I guess maybe it, 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 it's it's that whole thing of oh, we you know cursing him to this horrible thing, but also he gets all of these sick powers if he gets brought, like like okay. Yeah. So if I'm going to curse my worst enemy who has done the worst possible thing to me, I wouldn't give him any magical powers. Okay, yeah, I'd probably curse them to an undying forever life, but I think tossing him into a tomb where he has to try to claw his way out while by eaten alive for days on end. I think that's a pretty sweet revenge. I don't think you need to go any further. Like, the Armageddon is a bit far, mate. But then there'd be no movie. And the plagues of, like, the biblical plagues are so cool to put on screen. Except they weren't really on screen. Uh, They they were suggested, though. Like It was that thing of leaving it up to the imagination. Um, mm. I suppose. So uh, obviously, we then get into the early twentieth century, nineteen twenty-three. Um, we we have 
Um, Rick O'Connell. Um, Brendan Fraser at, Brent, his, yeah. at his lovely best. Yes, running around as part of the French Foreign Legion. Now, I have a bone to pick here. Okay, just one. Um, yeah, he's a member of the French Foreign Legion. That's fine. But you can't be a lieutenant if you're not a French citizen. Like you, you, you <laughs> he, he was too high a rank to be a lieutenant. Like it, you had to be French to be like anywhere in the higher echelons of command. To be fair, they're in the middle of Egypt. They were probably just like whatever. Like yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. that's where the film lost me for realism. No, it was just just a small. <laughs> and small also, thing to be like, fair, yeah. all of the other leaders kept running away. Yeah. Putting up the white flag and well, so yeah, on. Well, yeah, like and like Benny did, did that as well. Like yeah. Benny spends his whole beautiful film. Benny. Yeah, yeah. what um, a rubbish human being. Although speaking of running, O'Connell outsprints those horses pretty well. Yeah. Okay. So I noticed that in one shot there'd be the horses right behind him, like mm. about to catch him, and then you'd cut to the next shot and they'd be really far away again. It's like magical runningness. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. He was. He was pretty quick. Um, and then of course. Uh, uncovers the tomb is allowed to wander in the desert um and three years later he ends up in prison for having too much fun yeah yeah having too much fun yeah and um is is rescued by the world's worst librarian um evie <laughs> oh i love her yeah i love her so much i mean i'm presuming she's worked in that library for a while so when she knows ah the tea section i i know that this ladder can't quite lean over and get it to the other side you know, like she either would have worked out a method of like swinging the ladder round to put the book in, you know, like being Belle from the Beauty and the Beast and just railing along the side of the books or just get down from the ladder and go back up. That like, was logical, though, Stephen. That was logical. Mm. Yeah. She's prone to flights of fancy. And this is the only way we're going to know that our heroine has some flaws. We have to introduce them First through the action and mm. then through a bit of dialogue with and some the, other guy who tells us all about her. And the only way to make a woman relatable and not a perfect Mary Sue is to make her clumsy. This is the way to do it, mm. you know. This is how we writers write mm. women. Although, I mean, like that said, part of it is also, yes, this is the 1920s and there's there's a lot of it, her, you know, like, oh, take that Bembridge Scholars and da-da-da. Like, she's trying to kind of rise above... Um, this narrow world view of femininity in that mm. era, and that kind of you know makes sense. But she's also adhering to a lot of the um, what's the word I'm thinking? Stereotypes. Of? Yeah, yeah, thank you. Stereotypes. Like of, she calls of it, the fairer she, sex. Yeah, she calls um, Brendan Fraser uh, a scoundrel at one point, and then obviously end, they end up boning on yeah. the camel at the end. Oh, oh yeah, no, there's there's quite a bit of the uh, I I think that kind of relationship. It's it's very much kind of a nod to um you know, sort of Han Solo. Princess Leia type mm. relationship. Yeah, well, I mean, he literally calls her sister, yeah. like just like Han does. So. Yeah, yeah, and he was absolutely. a he was a scruffy looking nerf herder when so, she found him in the jail. So. Okay, so so if that's the case, does or, that mean that Jonathan is Luke? <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, they're brother and sister. Yeah, he's the whining yeah. he's the whining farm boy <laughs> who finds except he's who just drinks. an idiot. Yeah, who then brings about the fall of Darth Vader slash Voldemort slash Imhotep by um, reading. Re- yeah, interesting Star Wars connection. It's really funny you mentioned this. There really? is a connection between Star Wars and the Mummy, really? uh, which Six turned Star up Wars in reference. IMDb. A cloak lent by the British costume rental company Angels and worn by an extra in this film was discovered to have been made for Alec Guinness <gasps> when he played Obi-Wan in yes. A New Hope. So somewhere in the background somewhere of that film, one of the extras is wearing Obi-Wan's coat, the one that falls on the floor in the Death Star. But there's so no. many of them. Yeah. <gasps> no, okay, but hang on. Why would you have such an iconic piece of clothing and just like toss it away 
somewhere. Somebody's an idiot. And to, like, not care about it. Like, that's something that should be at the ranch. Um, Yeah, but the thing is, is at the time when they're making Star Wars, they're just going... Oh, we're just making this stupid science fiction film. Well, let's rent out this costume. Do, do, do. And then only finding out like 20 years down the line. Oh, somebody... that's where that ended up. Oh, crap. I didn't know this still existed. Yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that fun fact for you there. Um, oh, yeah. Cool. And OK, so they meet up in the prison. Um, there's the there's the guy in the giant hamster wheel in the background just running, <laughs> probably for punishment, but mostly just because it's visually amusing. Okay, but my, my funniest moment in this scene was Stephen notices the hamster wheel while yeah. Ellen notices the shoes. Yeah, the I didn't that... even see the hamster wheel. Hamster <laughs> yeah, there's a guy, I noticed both. There's a guy running in like a 20-foot hamster wheel in the background. I didn't even see that. Right, well, we'll put I it... was too focused on the shoes because really? she, she, she and Jonathan were wearing the same kind of shoes. Yeah, the brother and sister, they get the shoes from the same shop. <laughs> They Apparently. have to match. I didn't even realize there was a hamster wheel. Yeah, and then they find um, Harry, Brendan Fraser, or George of the Desert, as, yeah. as he should be called. He, yeah. Um, and they 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 essentially buy him from from his execution while Ahmed Jalili is um, trying to have him hung. And the bit, but it was funny though because the bit where he grabs her and kisses her through the bars—that was the point where Sarah was like, "Oh no, no, I can't with him. Nope, he's horrible." Da, da, mm. da, 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 da. But I think he kind of grew on you a little bit, didn't he? Well, I knew he would. Except, like, come on, what is it with these films by men having guys just randomly make out with girls and think that the female character is going to be like, "Oh, I'm now in love with him after he assaulted me." Sarah, I'd like to introduce you to the entirety of cinema. So the crew uh, get together. Their homage Lily comes with them as well to keep an eye on his investment and be someone not white that can be killed. And Basically. Uh, yeah, uh, although I do want to say this is his uh, first film role and I'm a big really? fan of homage Lily. Um, it, from obviously he's a great stand up and he's done lots of good uh, film and voiceover roles since. He's very good. But this is his first film role he's and very good. he's great. Mm. He's great. He has a great death scene when the uh, scarab gets under his skin. Apparently he was so into that scene that he rips his own trousers off. Did the scene get under his skin? Just a little bit. Oh, um, God. But yeah, because he, he, he rips the shirt open, which he was supposed to do, but when he was trying to get across that pain of like something going into his brain, he actually ripped his own trousers off. Amazing. As part of it. He was so, he was so I into love it. it. So yeah he, um, yeah, he was really great. And then obviously they're on uh, the boat. They're on the boat heading down the Nile. There's the uh, crappy Wolverine ninja in the canoe who's <laughs> just, the he's so ready. All the other ninjas are just focused on like rowing and getting there. And he's and like, he, you got a claw. He's got his claw out. And I'm he's giving like, you the finger with my claw. Yeah. And that guy who might be the Black Knight of the Pharaohs because he gets a candle in the eye. Yeah. Um, which was a, a lesser known Elton John track. Um, he then gets set on fire when Jonathan trips over him in the room. He's on fire. Okay, for a just long time. saying about all these on fire scenes, guys, when you're on fire, stop, drop, cover, and roll. It's that simple. Mm. Or jump well, in the water. Well, There's a lot of water. They probably didn't know stop, drop, and roll in the 1920s. So It's kind of common sense, though, isn't it? Like... Water. Water is even more common sense. You're, you're on fire. You haven't got time to think. And, th- and this guy was very committed to his job. He had to get that key. So he's on fire. He's at fire in the eye. He gets shot a few times as well, for good is measure. Is the key to his existence? I think it is. Um, yeah. And but But aside from that one guy who's alive for a lot longer than he should be, that's a really good scene. Um, oh no it's fantastic it's a beautiful scene yeah like it's fun you were commenting Sarah the fire effects all look pretty good oh they were fantastic Mm. it's very telling didn't you say this director went on to do Van Helsing he did he did with like the blowing up um, thing that like uh, the the, the, what's it called the carriage the Mm. horse and cart 
carriage I love thing the horse and the that, carriage exploding. That, that explodes. And it's like, how did it explode? There's no fuel in here. Like, it. Ju- how? There was a lot of manure. How? <laughs> but yeah, Stephen Sommers, uh, clearly his films do okay with fire. And then, of course, he did uh, the sequel to this one as well, The Mummy Returns. Of course, yes. So, yeah, he, he does He does this... He um, likes the kaboom. Yes, he does this action set piece well. And, of course, we also get introduced to the various American characters. And the guy with the umbrella. And the guy with the umbrella, um, who was just wonderful. He loved his... He um- had his umbrella open at night. He had yeah. a photo of him with his umbrella. He had yeah. a photo of him with his death. Was he in love with his umbrella? Did I think he marry so. I think umbrella? I ship it. I love yeah. that guy. Guy and umbrella. Gumbrella. Yeah. He, he and was- as soon as he wakes up and realizes the book is gone, and he's like, don't read from the book. How did you know that they read from the book? Magic. Mm. It's anyway. just it's his umbrella powers. <laughs> um, so yes, they 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 uh, they all end up um, doubting this happened though because they end up in denial. <laughs> uh, and then obviously it's a, it's a very uh, tame race between the American guys on the boat and in their on their horses on their horses and uh, camel squad who um, get some camels and do a kind of slow meandering montage over towards the desert and we see Rachel Weisz oh look she's friends with the animals you know that kind of thing well she's the female lead she has to be friends with the animals she's Snow White mm. Mm. she's a Disney princess mm-hmm. is basically what you're saying yeah Pretty and then much. they all come together and apparently they meet on the surface of Mars because the sky is like a weird otherworldly colour well, the apocalypse okay. what I think is going on there from what I was seeing in the way it was filmed and the way reflections were randomly coming up it looked like they just did day for night mm. uh, which is oh. when they film during the day and then they colour grade it so it looks like it's night time yeah so, so they the probably... previous one right before they get to Harmonatra it was really blue yeah Except what they probably did is they tried to do the same thing in this particular shot and it just really wasn't working out for them so they're like let's just make it red so they, and also with the boat scene, sorry to go back, the white nightgown that Evelyn wore when the ship was attacked oh, yeah. was a bit more transparent than they anticipated. So those scenes when she's climbing out of the the, the Nile with, um, with, with the gang, uh, they had to digitally add in uh, white to the dress so that they could keep their PG-30 rating. And there was a lot of that in this film. You know, people were stabbed and had their hands over the entirety of the wound with no blood coming out, that, mm. that sort of thing. So... Um, yeah, that was sort of interesting. And then they end up in um, uh, Toomey Doom Place. What was it, what was it called? Harmonaptra. Thank you very much. Um, Sounds like a trap. Yeah, they go to Harmonaptra. Uh, they go inside. They're digging around. Obviously, you know, a couple of nameless people get killed by um, Pharaoh Acid. Okay, um, to be to be honest, I don't remember the names of pretty much everyone. There's like three names I remember, and mm. they're our three leads. I'm barely, yeah. I'm barely remembering Brendan Fraser's name. Yeah, which is Rick, like, oh, Rick, Rick O'Connell. O'Connell. And then yeah. Evelyn and Jonathan. Jonathan. Those yeah. are the only names I remember. Oh, and Benny? Ben? Benny! Benny. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Grimmer Wormtongue. Yeah. 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 Um, he doesn't play Grimmer Wormtongue. He's just acting like Grimmer Wormtongue for pretty much the entirety of this film. Mm. Um, we learn that Imhotep, along with being a sort of undead uh, zombie god, has like the strongest nails in the world because mm-hmm. when they open up his coffin, which is very metallic, he's able to like leave scratch marks, leave like intricately drawn hieroglyphs to explain that death is only the beginning. My handwriting is not that good normally, let mm. alone when I'm chipping away with my nails and at the scarabs. Eating. Yeah, but yeah. you know, this is one of those things. It's 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 like um in that Sherlock Holmes story where she's scratching into the floor walls with her nails, like. Who, who, yeah, fingernails are not that strong, y'all. And I mean, let's face it, a lot of people bite their nails. Yeah. Can you imagine me trying to do that? Like, I'm mm. screwed at leaving last messages. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, obviously, the, the mummy is alive. <gasps> 
I'm so surprised well, by this. Well, not, not so much alive as undead. And it's interesting. It, obviously, the, the we see a lot of uh, the undead walking and running around in a sort of shambling zombie fashion. Yeah, it's, and, it's, there's, there's a very zombie feel to a lot of stuff in well, this. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because one of the directors that was attached to this project before it was uh, passed over to... Um, Stephen, uh, Stephen, Summers. Stephen Summers, thank you. Um, was George A. Romero, who oh. is the guy behind uh, Night of the Living Dead, and essentially the 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 films which led to the modern zombie uh, yeah, franchises. Yeah. Well, there's a lot have. of like hands popping out of guys. I mean, technically they are zombies. Technically yeah. they are. They're just really, 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 really old, mummified mm-hmm. ancient zombies. zombies. Yeah, and it's it's just sort of interesting to to see that. In this film, which is made sort of before that sort of uh, zombie renaissance, mm. I guess, of uh, things like The Walking Dead. Yeah. One thing that didn't make sense to me, though. Well, only one? Uh, yeah, well, okay. okay. <laughs> only one. As, aside from Brendan Fraser being a lieutenant when he's not a French citizen. Um, the the guy, Mr. The guy, I think his name is Mr. Burns, um, which was also funny. The guy who gets his eyes and tongue stolen by Imhotep. Oh, yeah, the guy with the glasses. Yeah. My glasses, Velma. Yeah, Velma. Yeah. Velma Dinkley. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, Velma, when Velma Dinkley um, gets gets his eyes stolen. And his tongue. But, but it's established that he has bad eyesight. So how hmm. can Imhotep can see perfectly well without the glasses. Magic healing powers of zombie mummy things. I'm just magic. Yeah. Mm. I'm just not buying it. And likewise, I'm not buying the fact that that he, he Velma Dinkley when he was eventually um like eaten. W- well, when he was actually cornered before his eyes were scooped out. We'd already established from several shots that he couldn't see. So when he sees the mummy, he shouldn't be that terrified because it's just kind of a grey corpsey blob. Well, I'm terrified of grey corpsey blobs whenever I see them. How often do you see them? Never. Mm. So, okay. As somebody who has very poor eyesight, mm. I, if, if, if if the thing got up close enough, he would probably have been able to focus on it a little bit, but otherwise it would have just been like, oh, horrifying, amorphous-looking blob thing. <gasps> Maybe it was the smell. Maybe he was smelling it. That's yeah. also a good point. Or hearing it. Maybe. Maybe he was using his other senses, which were, you know, so much better now because of his lack of eyesight. He's not Daredevil. <laughs> Shh. Magic. Maybe he was using echolation like a dolphin. <laughs> Maybe what, he's a his, bat. That was the scream. The scream <laughs> yeah. was just to hear. It's like, how near is this thing? <laughs> ah! And then the sound waves bounce back. Or like a bat. Bats use echolation as well. There mm. you go. There's your fun fact he's, of the day. He's original Batman. Mm. There you go. Uh, moving and then, along. <laughs> yeah. And then moving along, they escape, they try and run away. Uh, Evelyn's like, no, I've got to stay for research and heroin purposes. And Brendan Fraser's like, I'm Han Solo and I'm getting out of here. Uh, but I'll come back in and save that, you from the That whole beautiful star. thing where they're circling around the case, though, and he's throwing things in and she's pulling them out. I love that. That was so beautiful. Mm. Yeah, that would have been so. That would have been such a pain in the ass to shoot. And then you have uh, the the shambling crowds going, Emotep, Emotep. Uh, chasing them around um, mm. with all the people with the balls. Uh, fun fact from the trivia troll to throw in. Uh, in 2004, Universal Studios theme parks, uh, Hollywood and Orlando, opened their Revenge of the Mummy rides based on both this film and its sequel, The Mummy Returns. Mm. The rides became so popular, the lines would stretch into the main park with riders waiting for hours in the hot California or Florida sun. To alleviate the stress of waiting, when the lines moved, fans of the move would chant, Emotive. Oh no! <laughs> no, genius. I've I've been on the mummy ride. Did um, you do the no, 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 no. I I don't think I went to the one in Florida, but I've I'm I've definitely been on the mummy ride in Singapore at Universal Studios. How was it? 
It was pretty good, actually. Better than the Jurassic Park ride that was there. That was boring. Did the mummy return? I don't remember. Mm. I just remember it was like a lot of like uh, going through various like tomb kind of places and lots of mummy like animatronics. If you don't lose your eyes, I'm unimpressed. Well, my eyes aren't great anyway, so... But apparently that doesn't matter. Apparently that doesn't matter. Hard. You're the first victim. Yeah. Great. And I do want to point out that um, Pharaoh Voldemort, Imhotep, um, yeah. he must have been a really nice guy to work for. Or, like, he must be a very persuasive guy, because you've got people... All his servants come back, like, all yeah, All servants well, who were, like, mummified alive, alive yeah. for just, like, literally, like, being around when he decides to, like, murder the pharaoh because he's, you know, he's he, he wants to be pharaoh, steal your girl. And so they get mummified for absolutely just being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And then 3,000 years later, it's like, oh, hey, guys, yeah, I know I'm responsible, but can you just kill this um, Hollywood heartthrob for me? And they're all like, yeah, sure, boss, no problem. Like, he must have been great to work for. It's the dental. (laughs) Funny thing you say that. Lots of really good teeth, particularly... Rick O'Connell's been in jail for three years in Egypt. Yeah, I did think that. I was like, man, your teeth are really great. By comparison, then you've got Benny. But was he was, was he in jail for three years or was he just in jail that night because he had a good time? Uh, could be, could be. But I'm, you know, I'm imagining that thing of uh, ancient Egypt knowledge. The fact that Egyptians had uh, it, back in the day quite bad teeth because obviously there was a lot of sand in their bread and things like that. There was a lot yeah, of like coarse it was stuff really around. Gritty. Yeah, a lot of that grit existing. So. Which you know, my point stands. Good dental would be important to them. Mm. That's a good so, point. Okay, maybe that was it. Mm. Um, and. Yeah, and then of course the he tries to bring back he makes the corpse bride. She comes back for a bit, um, kind of chases around Rachel Vice with a knife. Unbridled. Indeed. Um and then uh they resolve it because uh Jonathan can read a gold book and take Except control. he can't, and that's the whole thing. Yeah. And Does then that make him see three PO. Uh Good with languages, very gold. He wasn't no, good not, with languages. He's not good with languages. That's the thing. That's why when you were like, why isn't he reading the thing? I'm like, because mm. he can't translate. He doesn't need to translate. Yes, he does. He can't read the hieroglyphics. That's the problem. Well, then if he can't read the hieroglyphics, how did he read the hieroglyphics? Does that no, make... He kind of can, I think, because like obviously he and Evie like, grew up and like learnt the stuff, but like she's obviously the scholar and he is... The, the he, drinker? He's the brawn, I guess. <laughs> no, he's comparison not. to her, but he's she's, not. She's brawnier than he is. That's a good point. Does that make our death bay Chewbacca? Yes. Like, good-looking Legolas ah. guy. Uh, th- that probably makes How him How many references can we make to other films? Yeah. Uh, well, I thought this film made a lot of references to Monty Python. Yeah. Just <laughs> just in that kind of very silly... Um, it was just very silly. and But it was taking itself seriously. But it felt like it was half a step away from, like, someone turning to the crowd and going, are there any women here? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, no. but there was a crowd scene where they were all... Right before they jumped down into the... Mm. Um, into the plot hole the mm. the hole in the ground the uh sewer yeah thing, the right hole. before that and i was like look at this crowd you can like it's like 90 it's like 100 percent men and then it parts and imhotep comes through and there's one woman in a full like face veil and you mm. can't see anything of her but her eyes and i was like one woman that's the only woman i've seen in any of these crowd scenes i bet she only got paid 70 percent too i bet it was a man dressed up in a veil mm. Mm. Who knows? Interesting uh, fun fact uh, about uh, Odd Ed Fair, who plays... Um, yeah, I, Legolas. Yeah, yeah Legolas. Uh, yeah, Odd Ed Um T- Face tattoo guy. Yeah, well, the reason he only had 
face tattoos and not mm. full body tattoos uh, because the medaji uh, were originally supposed to be tattooed from head to toe but Stephen Sommers vetoed against it because he thought Oded Fair was too good looking to That's be covered true. up. He's very he good is looking. very good looking. Mm. He is a very handsome man. I and really wanted him to live because of his handsomeness. And he did. How though? I know, like how did he survive? <laughs> he was literally surrounded by ten zombie mummies. I wonder I wonder if he was meant to die in the first draft and then they were like, No, he's too look good looking to die. We can't kill him. I think the um the zombie mummies just took him to the front door and threw him out and were like, and stay out. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't think they were actually gonna kill anyone. They were isn't just gonna he, grab he's him. He's in the second one, isn't he? He is. He's yes. a great yeah. Yeah. Yeah, spoilers. They, they oh look, four characters survived this film. Can he's, we... pro- he's probably on the damn DVD cover, Sarah. Like, yeah. come on, come on. So, would we like some uh, other fun trivia facts? Oh, sure, why not? Um, other actors that could have been Rick O'Connell. Oh dear, okay. And one who really wanted to be it. Yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio. Ah. He would have been a bit young then, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would um, have been a bit. Well, okay, no, because when did Titanic come out? Like ninety-seven. Yeah, two years prior. He would have been a baby. DiCaprio said that he loved the script and wanted to be in the film, but had already agreed to star in The Beach. (laughs) Um, DiCaprio had asked if The Beach could be delayed um, so that he could do The Mummy, but the producers refused. And then ironically, The Beach was delayed anyway. But by that point, it was already Brendan Fraser's role. So So either way, he was going to be in a film filled filled with sand. Mm. Good thing he's not Anakin. Again, Star Wars reference. Yes. Uh, a couple of the other actors that were linked to play uh, Rick O'Connell, Brad Pitt. Not surprising. Uh, sand. Matt Damon, who Can't obviously. Again, not surprising. Ben Affleck. Again, not surprising. All beautiful action hero y, good looking men of the you sort of late 90s. Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> and Tom Cruise, who is the lead. In the new, in the new one. one. Oh, that's he got his funny. Wish. Yeah, so Yeah, but this new one looks bloody dreadful. I don't know. I think I think the having not seen it, um, but the, the premise of having your lead uh hero pants guy being brought back to life by the mummy. Or having some yeah, level I, of control. I like that idea. Yeah. Like that I, you couldn't have done it with this one. You couldn't have had Imhotep like bringing back um Brendan Fraser as like his like to do my bidding on this earth thing because it mm. just wouldn't have worked. He's too goofy. The the, the film was too goofy. It's, it's mm. a very clear, there is good and bad. From what I've seen of the trailer for the new mummy, it takes itself very, very seriously. Mm. Like it's which, a serious action film. Which is a problem because like, okay, we have a lot of serious action films and they mm. have their place. But having now seen the mummy and which I already understood from the gift sets, was it's supposed to be fun, it's supposed to be lighthearted, so if you've got this oh, action figure hero man running around saving the day, then, you know, it's kind of missing the whole point. And I love the fact that they're all really goofy in this. Like, Jonathan's an idiot. He's so great, and he's always doing stupid stuff and falling over things. Like, uh, when, when Rick falls out of the plane, like, after it's crash-landed, he just kind of like, whoop, whoop, and just falls out of it. Like, they're all real clumsy, dumb human beings, and I love that. I love that about this film. They're just dumb clumsy human beings. Mm. Uh, the locusts, which were shown in the scene at Hamanaptra, yeah. um, were mostly CGI, mm. uh, but a number of live, grass- live grasshoppers were used for uh, some of the shots, um, but they were chilled in a refrigerator so they wouldn't, to like, make them more sluggish. Away. So when uh, Who's He Google Umbrella Man yeah. is covered in them, they're just... Mary they're Poppins! Just... From now on, he should be known as Mary Poppins. Excellent. Okay. Well, Mary Poppins was covered in those grasshoppers. They were just a bit cold. That's why they weren't moving around. 
You're just kind of like going, I don't, yeah. I'm pretty sure that doesn't pass uh, the... You would have had creaky knees. I don't know if that counts as the no animals were harmed in the making of this film. Well, it depends. I mean... Like, if any of them got a cold, then, yeah, that doesn't count. I'm just making know. a grasshopper sneezing and, like, jumping. With grasshopper sneezes. Yes. And finally, the production had the official support of the Moroccan army. Uh, and the cast members had kidnapping insurance taken out on them, a fact that the director, Stephen Sommers, had disclosed to the cast only once they had finished shooting. <laughs> that's, that's pretty boss. Yeah. He was the boss. Mm. Wow. But yeah, so uh, all in all, did we, did we enjoy this film, Sarah? Your first exposure to Brendan Fraser's uh, Mummy trilogy. Yeah, I had fun. I enjoyed it. Mm. And Ellen, you revisiting uh, this this old and well well loved uh, film for you? Oh, it's a lot dumber than I remember, but I love it. It's just such good fun, silly nonsense mm. with a bit of scary stuff thrown in. But this is my kind of like horror film, and I use the term horror here in like air quotes, air quotes horror. And did Stephen enjoy it? Yeah, it was all right. It's 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 one of those films where it's. Uh, you leave your brain in the jar by the door. I think <laughs> it's um, it, it's fun. It still looks good. It's got its moments. Um, it's funny. It's quotable. I don't remember. I didn't remember a lot of this one when we decided that we were going to do the Mummy. I realised a lot of my memories are of the Mummy Returns, Whoops. which I which I think is the the better film. Have the memories returned? So scoring the film. <laughs> Um, and we'll, we'll start with you, Ellen. Um, what score out of 10 would you give 1999's The Mummy? Oh, this is really hard. This is this is tricky because I have a lot of sentimental value attached to this film because it's just such a good fun romp. I don't know. Um, i got to take off a couple of points because there were, were a few bits where I was like, CG, blah. Um... A technical term. Very technical term. Very technical term. I'm really tired. Leave me alone. Hi, really um, tired. Um, I'm going to give it seven juicy mummy carcasses out of ten. <laughs> I mean, it was juicy. It was juicy. Juicy. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I do. I did like the little stereo. He's still juicy. juicy. <laughs> Sarah, what score are you giving the mummy? I also give it seven mummy curses out of ten. Okay. Um, for me... I, again, it's it's an enjoyable film, but it's it's not great, and I really think that the the lack of like any effort put into the dialogue, so much so that you can just guess what's coming next. I thought that was a genius. Come on. No, I'm afraid not. Um, so it just basically plays into every single trope, trope yeah. and stereotype you could possibly want. Yeah, I troped into it, which, which is which is good in some cases, but yeah, at, yeah. at the same time, some of it just felt a little bit lazy. So I'm going to give it six. Um, Brendan Fraser adorable hair flips out of ten. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was a few bits where he was like looking through the his like fringe. Yeah. yeah, it's slightly in his eye. Some yeah. good eye acting in this film, actually. Mm. Yeah, and that might like, be about it. Like the, like the bit where she where she's kissing Imogen and kind of turns him around and then like looks out of the corner of her eye like. Mm. Mm. While she's kissing him, I was like, "I'm kissing a dead guy." Mm. 
So, uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Uh, make sure you stay tuned for future episodes of the Cinema Catch-Up Club, and we are available on Facebook and on Twitter and uh, on Instagram as well. Just look for Thought Jar Productions or the Cinema Catch-Up Club and follow us there. And uh, you can leave suggestions for films we should review or uh, different genres you'd like us to look at, and uh, just let us know how you're enjoying these episodes. Until next time, though, bye. (laughs) Bye. Bye. There was a hair on my microphone. There are lots of hairs on my microphone. Do you live with a dog? Yes, you do. But the thing is, is that there was a Gruber and also It's Maggie. probably the collective beard hair of all of the various guests. Oh, that's really <laughs> gross. Yeah, that's... I have some of mine. This is why I have the pop shield, so that I don't have to put my face near no, the actual microphone. It's just near the spit of everyone that's used it. <laughs> Sucks to be both of us. Mm.